0: welcome everybody to the lug nuts and beer podcast i'm tom curley joined by my co-host dylan flickinger the auto club 400 in california has been decided kevin harvick dominates and lets another one slip away jimmy johnson comes from no man's land to grab his 77th nascar sprint cup victory and danica is mad at casey kane but first what beer are you sipping on over there in uh in north carolina buddy
1: All right, that was my little intro there. Sorry, some Superman theme song music. I am, uh, I am drinking Blue Moon this evening. I was going to go with uh, a cider, maybe Angry Orchard, but then I realized our podcast isn't called uh, Lug Nuts and Cider. Um, so I had to go had to go with the beer.
0: So you went with Blue Moon. Do you, are, are you drinking it with your pinky out?
1: <laughs> no, no, I'm not. And you know what? I've come to the table this evening with some more interesting facts other than just reading the label because um one of our our uh, more faithful listeners, one of my college roommates, uh Tim Scouten, he listens to our podcast and he's actually um he he works for a brewery. He's becoming a master brewer, I think is his end goal. And uh he's pretty involved in that scene and he, he was making fun of me last week for actually giving a description that just reading off the label so <laughs> i want to take 30 seconds here and give you a little cool background that i found on blue moon tonight blue moon actually started out um in denver colorado as a a brewery that was attached to a baseball stadium and about halfway through the, the, their first season doing it, they kept hearing the same thing from their fans. Give me a belly slide, which belly slide was the name of what is now their regular beer, the blue moon. Um, and so they, they didn't that belly slide was the name of the beer at the time, but they knew they needed a better name that could live outside of the baseball stadium. Um, So one day when they were tasting um, all the beers, one of their administrators called out, you know, a beer that tastes this good only comes around once in a blue moon. And with that, Blue Moon Brewing Company was born. And we have what we have today, my friend. A little Uh, fun fact for you.
0: Yeah, that's actually a pretty awesome story. I never knew that.
1: Yeah. So how about you? What What are you drinking?
0: Uh, I want the Great Lakes route again, so it's the like the local beer from Ohio, up based out of Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, this time, uh, yeah, I went with the blackout Stout a couple weeks ago, if you recall, on a on a on a Monday night when we were recording that. This time, I've got uh, I've got the Burning River Pale Ale. Uh, it's it's kind of one of their. It's not seasonal. It's out pretty much all year long. So if it's in a state where they sell Great Lakes, you can get it pretty much any time of the year. Um, and it's named after. Uh, it's called Burning River, named after when the Cuyahoga River up in Cleveland caught on fire uh, back back in back in the day. So I don't know necessarily <laughs> what that says about my homeland. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, one of our... Shining history. Yeah, of one of our biggest, most important rivers uh, caught on fire. And uh, <laughs> actually, though, that, that moment sparked a whole, like, rash of just environmentalist actions that have really cleaned up the area and made it a somewhat pleasant... Um, area to visit so it's kind of one of those Thank things goodness. yeah it's kind of one of those things where like oh, it was unfortunate it happened and it made us look really bad but a lot of positives came from it after that
1: Mhm. and now we have a beer named after it and that's another positive we can take
0: away from it <laughs> now i'm drinking a delicious great lakes burning river pale ale <laughs> they should really be they man these beer companies should really be paying us to say this stuff you know
1: Dude, I've been tweeting out every week what we drink at these companies, and I think so far, who is the oh, uh, Red Oak? Red Oak was the only one who liked one of their tweets that they were mentioned in. So I'm just waiting for one of these days.
0: Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Like, good on, good on Red Oak. I was pumped when I saw that they favorited that tweet. I was too. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I, I was too. I'm, I'm still waiting for him to. DM me, asking for the deets where they can send a few six packs, but one of these days.
0: This is Great Lakes final chance. If we don't hear anything (laughs) from them on social media this week, I'm done. I'm done with them forever. No more Great Lakes. This is your warning. This is it, Great Lakes. This is it. The ball's in your court. (laughs) All right, man. So uh, let's get straight into the racing action then, huh? Let's do it. All right. So Jimmy Johnson steals another one. Can you believe that?
1: Part of me, I can't believe it, but I also definitely can believe it. Yeah, this is a pretty common theme.
0: Yeah, he's, he's Superman. I mean, he had Superman on the hood. Obviously, he and Dale Jr. were promoting the new uh, Batman vs. Superman movie. Dale had an up and down, pretty much uh, not very great day as far as what, you, what it'll look like in his career. It won't look like much of anything because it'll probably be one to forget but Jimmy Johnson just did that thing that Jimmy Johnson does. I mean, if you look over the course of the past the past 2 seasons and then so far this season, I mean, how many times has Kevin Harvick dominated the race as he did today and then somehow some way at the very end Jimmy Johnson comes out of nowhere and steals it, steals the show, steals the win and spends the whole next week celebrating. You know, like how many times has that happened because it feels like we've seen this story before. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is a common
1: narrative. And I have a little fun fact here for you that the last uh, nine times that Kevin Harvick and Jimmy Johnson have finished 1-2, um, it's finished with Jimmy first and Kevin second. So nine times in a row that they've finished in that position and Harvick's come out defeated.
0: And, and you can tell, I mean, Kevin Harvick was not happy after the race and he didn't he didn't show that, he didn't say anything that would indicate that he wasn't happy. But I've kinda come to understand as a NASCAR enthusiast that any time the interviewer is walking with the driver and the driver doesn't hang out at their car after the race, it mean generally means the driver's pissed. I mean Kevin Harvick was walking away and the interviewer had to keep pace to interview him and you could tell he was frustrated. That's generally a clear sign that they're frustrated. Um, but I would be frustrated too. I mean, he led about, I think it was almost 150 of the 200 laps and came up short again. He restarted second on that final restart to Denny Hamlin and Jimmy Johnson started restarted third, gave him a hell of a push, pushed Harvick all the way to the lead and then just shot Harvick off into the first turn and dove below him. And Jimmy Johnson took the lead on that final, uh, two last dap and he didn't look back and that was that was the story of harvick's day domination followed by yet another second place finish
1: yeah i he he led like you said he led 142 laps today but he has only won two of the last 11 races that he's led the most laps i mean that's just oh and i totally understand the frustration like you were saying and um, that restart there at the end, I thought that he might be able to hold him off. And we saw all day that kind of the high line on that track was the line, and that's why Hamlin picked to go to to the outside there. Um, the high line was where the speed was, but they he did get that big push from from Johnson and just kind of catapulted him out um, away from the field. And then Johnson, coming out of turn two, was able to get around him, and he he had the, the short... Uh, short run car, whereas Harvick, he he even said after the race, his car wasn't as good on the restart for about four or five laps. So while he he was dominant in the long run, the short run Jimmy had him.
0: Yeah, and it it was surprising that Denny Hamlin on that final restart. You know, he started first. It was surprising he couldn't get going. But this is one of those big sweeping ovals, and a lot of times it doesn't really just matter if you get a good restart. The person behind you has to get a good restart too to push you off and to turn one. And Joey Logano was lined up fourth behind Denny Hamlin, who restarted first. Uh, And Joey Logano just got a bad restart, which was kind of surprising because Joey's usually up on the wheel. He's I. I consider him to be one of the better restarters in NASCAR. He's kind of always there, always threatening. And he just, uh, I don't know if he spun his tires or what happened, but he wasn't right up on on uh, Denny Hamlin's rear bumper. So Hamlin had no momentum from behind going into that first turn and uh, Harvick and Johnson were both able to clear him. But just, just going back to Jimmy Johnson winning, I mean, right there on the second to last restart, Jimmy Johnson restarted, I think it was first, and he fell all the way back. To seventh. And this is, I'm, I mean, we're talking with what, 30 some laps to go and counting. And at that point, I remember looking at him and I'm thinking, just as a casual fan, I'm thinking, okay, like he's fallen back. His t- tires are a little older than everybody else. He's had a good day, but the strategy just didn't quite work out for him today. He's done. And sure enough, they get a late race caution with three laps to go. They come into pit. His pit crew picks him up positions. I think they picked him up positions on pit road.
1: I think they picked him up one, yeah.
0: And he comes out third, and the guy's celebrating in victory lane a few laps later. It's just like, how do they do it every time? It's just, it's crazy.
1: It is crazy. And, I mean, we saw at the end of that race just how important those pit crews are um, to the teams. I mean, Harvick, he actually lost the top spot there, and if you think, if you think about it, I mean, what could have been had he still had the lead? Um, I know he got pushed to the front anyway, but um, yeah, definitely, those crew, crews had a lot to do with the way the race finished. And once again, we just saw how dominant
0: Johnson's team is. So one more note here on on Kevin Harvick's run of second place finishes since he's joined Stuart Haas Racing. Since joining Stuart Haas Racing, there have been 77 races for Kevin Harvick. All right. So that's this season and the past two seasons. Out of those 77 races, Kevin Harvick has finished second 20 times. That is over 25% of the races he has finished second in, in the past two and a half, two years and a couple races. I mean, that's insane. That isn't and that doesn't even include all the races where he dominated and finished third or fourth or fifth or something crazy happened and he wrecked or his pit crew screwed up. I mean, I mean, so on one hand, their performance has been unmatched by anybody over the course of the past two seasons. And that's something that they should be proud of. And it's something that says they're going to be a contender for the whole rest of the season. But on the other hand, it's like how, how many opportunities are you going to let slip away?
1: Yeah, and I mean, we were texting there at the end of the race, and I even told you guys uh, I was going to feel bad if he lost. You know, we've we've heard this story so many times, and he had such a dominant car, Um, and then to just see him fall short. I mean, so but there are so many teams out there and so many um, drivers who would be ecstatic about you know having the kind of car the kind of quality they put out every single week to finish consistently at the top and like you said he's going to be there all season contending for those four four wins but that many times to come up just one position short you gotta feel for the guy
0: you don't get a whole lot of opportunities in NASCAR to win races I mean there are the elite drivers who are contending every weeks every week but to win one of these, races is so difficult because everything has to go the right way and to be on a run like Kevin Harvick has been on for the past two seasons I mean it's something special and it's probably something that's only going to come around once in your career the driver is in the right place the crew chief is great the cars are great you know all the equipment is great he's on the right team And you really have to embrace and and hold on to these moments while they last because it's probably not going to happen again in your career. And you want to take full advantage of it. So we'll see how long this run lasts for him. But it's been been pretty incredible so far. Ever since he joined Stuart Haas, man, they've just been the fastest thing at the track every weekend, it seems like. Freaky fast. (laughs) Freaky fast, just like those Jimmy John subs. (laughs) <laughs> yep there's your
1: first uh shot at sending us some subs jimmy johns that's one
0: listen here i don't i don't play favorites all right my lunches no. every week consist of both jimmy johns and subway so i mean you got subway sponsoring Caro edwards mm-hmm. and jimmy johns sponsoring kevin harvick and i'm just i'm eating them both man every week i'm like <laughs> i i swear i'm single-handedly keeping those places open
1: <laughs> well then you and me both i i I love Subway. I, I've wore out rewards cards from Subway before because I've used it so many times. Wait a second. Are you telling me that Subway has rewards cards? (laughs) Yeah. You're not, you're not utilizing that? No. (laughs) Dude. Yeah. Like every few, every few months or so I get like a free footlong because I get so many, you get, I think it's one point for every dollar you spend, and for every hundred points, you get a free footlong. And I can't tell you how many free footlongs I've got. And that saying that out loud just makes me kind of question where my money's going. I would have a
0: 100,000 points by now. (laughs) You've a (laughs)
1: $100,000.
0: Ever since I began my career, I feel like almost every day I've eaten at Subway. So it's got to be racking up there, you know? Well, that's true. Yeah, if you, every day. I've tweeted at Subway before, no. saying that I should have some sort of like pass the line card for as much as I like frequent their <laughs> their their store. You know, they should be like recognizing <laughs> me as a preferred customer or something. They're probably when you
1: tweeted that Adam, there was someone in their um, communications department probably. Looking up your name in their system saying, all right, where's this guy in our, you know, customer reward system? Couldn't find you, and that's why you haven't gotten anything.
0: Oh, man.
1: That's uh, the worst. You've missed out on years. Anyways, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Freaky fast, man. Freaky fast.
0: So, man, so how about that California race overall, though? I mean, what'd you think of it? It was awesome. There, There's kind of a lot of hype uh, built up uh, uh, with this race going
1: into the race, and then I don't think the race failed to disappoint either. What a what a great race. 26, 26 lead changes? That's awesome.
0: Yeah, this race, I think... We were talking about how last week you thought was maybe the best race up to that point. I think that this is probably... I mean, it has to be probably, for me, my favorite race so far this year. And I think it was just the complete weekend as a whole. I mean, we saw that insane mm-hmm. Xfinity race yesterday. I mean, how that ended. Can we talk about that for a second? I want to talk about that. For, yeah, for any of our viewers who or listeners who may have missed out on the Xfinity race on Saturday, Kyle Busch single-handedly dominated that race, was leading as he took the white flag with one to go, immediately after that blew a tire and kept going on the blown tire so he's driving on three wheels his teammate daniel suarez passes him then right after he passes him daniel suarez runs out of gas on the back stretch yeah so kyle bush on the back stretch on three wheels passes back drives back by daniel suarez and goes into turns 3 and 4 Coming out of turns three and four on three wheels again. Austin Dillon catches up to Kyle Busch, slaps the car off the wheel as he tries to wedge his car in between Kyle Busch and the wall, flies by him, and takes the victory. I mean, it was probably the most insane final lap of any race I've ever watched.
1: <laughs> yeah, you I was at work when that race was going on, and we had on March Madness, but you were texting me <laughs> a lot of all yes. caps. And so I knew it was good and then I came home and watched it and I've watched I watched it again today the the end of that race. It was so good.
0: I'm pretty sure whenever you had a chance to check your phone you probably came back to about 10 messages most of which were all caps and and some choice language was used in there as well. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Right. Just oh,
1: it was a good race. Do you think do, okay. And I'm. we're going to get sidetracked here again. I already know it. Do you think that Kyle Busch was trying, trying to block there at the
0: end? Or do you think he was just trying to keep the car on the racetrack? I saw a tweet from Dale Jr. Uh-huh. that said that he's driven on three wheels before and there's no way Kyle was trying to block there because it's almost impossible to do it. But to me, it kind of looked like Kyle was looking in his rearview mirror and seeing where Austin Dillon was and trying to squeeze him up toward the wall. Uh I mean, they made contact right there coming to the line. So to me, yeah, I think Kyle was trying to do a little bit of blocking. I know I understand that might be hard, but I'm pretty sure, I mean, Kyle's probably the most skilled racer out there, and I'm pretty sure he was thinking about how cool it would be to win a race on three tires. (laughs) Right? So It would have been super cool. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I mean, regardless, what a great finish. But yeah, I saw saw Dale tweeted that too and I, I knew that was the a little sidetrack we were gonna go down because his his <laughs> his twitter game all weekend has been on point
0: dude dale's twitter game is probably the best of any driver i, I know uh Br- brad keselowski is really good too but i really enjoy following both of them because they both provide such great insight and they always provide kind of like an angle that you know as a casual consumer you might not be expecting or even as huge fans of nascar you know they provide you that inside information that's not always easy to get your hands on. So I appreciate the time they devote there for the fans. You know, I think it's pretty great.
1: Yeah. Did did you see Dale's tweet after the race about, um, it was just a, a little, do you call them gifs? Gifs? Yes. Yeah, a yes. gif of uh, him pushing, or Batman pushing a swing in the rain. In the pouring rain, and he, t- <laughs> <laughs> he tweeted at Jimmy. It was hilarious. I cracked up. Uh, oh
0: man, that's great.
1: <laughs> yeah, I just sounded really yeah. old asking you how to say GIF. I just realized. It's uh, all right, man. Oh well. Okay.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, it, like again, it was a pretty forgettable race for Dale Jr. It was up and down. He passed a whole lot of cars, but ultimately he only had a, got in a an eleventh place finish to show for it. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall. I think the racing at California was awesome. It was an exciting race. The tire fall off there is fantastic. It's one of the the least grippy racetracks in NASCAR. It really wears the tires pretty quickly. Um, And if you look in recent years, I mean, California has given us some of the most exciting finishes, which is not something you typically expect out of a two-mile track. I mean, if you think about 2013, uh, Denny Hamlin and Joey Logano wrecked on the last lap coming to the line. I mean, that was when Denny Hamlin injured his back and missed a couple weeks, I think. Um, but Kyle Busch was third when they wrecked and he came and won the race that happened on the very last lap. 2014 was the year of the tire issue. That was where they couldn't go more than 25 laps without people cutting tires. I mean, all race long people were cutting tires and people thought the teams were going to run out of tires because they had to pit so often that they didn't think they would have enough to actually keep enough tires for, to last them through the end of the race. So, um, that and that was the year that, Really yeah, that was the year that, uh, Kyle Busch again came from third to win on the last lap. It was another last lap pass. He passed, uh, his brother Kurt Busch, and Kurt Busch's teammate Tony Stewart on the very last lap to win that race. Then you go to 2015, Brad Keselowski passed Kurt Busch on the last lap on fresher tires to win the race. And then you have this year, which is where Harvick dominated, and Jimmy Johnson passed him with two laps to go. So, I mean, if you think about it, through the past four years, I mean, California has given us some of the most exciting finishes. Yeah, definitely. That Do not
1: pave that track. Do, whatever you do, don't no, pave it. no and we talked about this earlier in the day too talking about bristol a little bit and how they refinished their track don't don't get cute leave it leave it as it is the the racing's awesome the fans like it the drivers like it especially combined with the new rules package or, or um with the low downforce it just makes for awesome racing everyone enjoys it it was yeah it was great and what you said earlier too This as much as I liked last week. Yeah, you're right. This week was even better.
0: Yeah. I mean, I agree. Don't, don't repave the track until you absolutely have to. At some point it's going to get so bad. It's going to start falling apart and you're going to have to repave it. I'm pretty sure California is one of the oldest surfaces, uh, in NASCAR. I think the last time they paved it was in the nineties. I could be mistaken by that. If I am, I'll post a correction to Twitter, everybody, just so you know. Um, (laughs) But I'm pretty sure the last time it was paved was in the 90s. So, I mean, like those old surfaces, man, they just produce such great slick racing. And it seems like any time they pave a track, it just seems to drastically alter the racing and usually not for the better. So I really like where it's at right now. And I think all the drivers do, too. Yeah, agreed. So I don't know. um, I don't know if you saw this after the race, but did you see... What Martin Truex Jr.'s crew chief, Cole Pern, <laughs> tweeted after the race? I did. I did. I actually just, right before you called
1: me uh, to talk about this podcast, I, I looked at it, and <laughs> I was a little bit in disbelief of what me you too. said. I still I still have it have it up here on my computer. Um, do you want me to read? Can we read that? I don't know if we can read that.
0: I mean, yeah.
1: I guess Joey Logano and this he tweeted at Joey Logano. This is Cole Pern talking, by the way, uh, Martin Truex Jr.'s crew chief. I guess at Joey Logano can't see through his squinty douchey eyes. Through um, his squinty douchey <laughs>
0: eyes. This is a professional. No This is, the, this is a crew chief. The leader of the team tweeted ugh. this out at Joey Logano after the race.
1: That's after, incredible. After Joey Logano had already apologized several <laughs> times, oh man, I, I under, you, I wanted to talk about this. I'm glad you brought Truex up because for me, he was one of the bigger stories of the day. And Fox didn't really talk about it at the end of the race. You know, I mean, obviously he didn't win. And he finished like 32nd, but so I understand not talking about it. But that was a huge story, I think. Yeah,
0: yeah. So for anybody who doesn't understand what we're talking about kind of getting close to the end of the race. Uh, Martin Truex was running in the top five. Uh, the handle on his car started to go away a little bit one run. Joey Logano caught him, and as Joey Logano passed him, he didn't make contact with Martin Truex Jr., but he kind of stole the air off of off of his spoiler, and that got Truex loose, and Truex's, Truex's back end of his car kind of slipped out and slammed into the wall, and Truex was kind of a non-factor there for the rest of the day. So I'm just really interested that... After the race, after Cole Pern had time to analyze the incident, talk to his driver about it, see Joey Logano's responses, that he still tweeted that considering that Joey Logano never made contact. They never touched. Joey apologized, and Joey clearly didn't do it on purpose. So it's really interesting to me that somebody in that position, who just got back from serving a one-race suspension, would tweet that out. I mean, I, w- I just kind of wonder if there's going to be any repercussions from that.
1: Oh, I'm sure there will be some sort of repercussion. I can't imagine that there wouldn't be. Um, but yeah, you could clearly see the frustration from the 78 camp overall. Whether it was Truex himself who went up to Logano after the race, and I guess you know they had some words, and Truex said, you know, I'm going forward. I'm going to race you uh, differently after that and but yeah you would think i mean this was tweeted at 7:20 tonight so a few hours after the race and uh, yeah it raised raised a lot of question marks uh, over here for me i don't know that was questionable pr move and decision making and got to got to be a professional even when you're you're upset, for sure. even if we can get a laugh out of it. There's some people who aren't going to get a laugh out of oh, it.
0: Oh, oh, I think it's great. I love, I love the <laughs> the no holds barred. I mean, I like that Cole Cole Pern's going to speak his mind. I think it's just a little misguided. I mean, I yeah. think I under I would understand if he if Joey Logano ran into the back of your driver, hit him right in the in the back rear, and shot him into the wall. I would understand being angry about that, about him ruining a good day if that happened. But I mean, it was a very minor incident, relatively, for everything compared to things that we usually see in NASCAR. So that kind of reaction, I think, was a little out of bounds. Um, but the thing that really gets me is that you know how when most athletes or public figures tweet something that's ridiculous, that draws the ire of the general public, it seems like they pretty quickly delete that tweet. Well, not Colbert. As of 11:16 p.m. on Sunday night, that it's tweet still is up. still up there loud and proud. <laughs> yeah oh, oh yeah. just his choice
1: of language just makes me put my hand on my foot fore- that's actually what i'm doing right now i'm sitting here with my hand on my forehead just like oh man your choice of language there uh it's funny but it's bad there are there, there are a lot of people at the track uh had some tempers flaring today huh
0: oh man so let's let's just let's just one more time <laughs> just just for the record I guess Joey Logano can't see through his squinty, douchey eyes. That's what he said. So it's still up there. I just confirmed via Twitter it is still there. And then 50, 50 oh. minutes ago on the tweet right above that, Cole tweeted, well, I guess you shouldn't tweet when you're mad. My apologies for being over the line.
1: Left it up, though. Left it up. It's still there.
0: <laughs> not not sorry enough to take it down, though, Kyle, or er, Joey Logano. Oh, man. That's, so That's something else, man. That is something else yeah nasty. Nice Twitter plan. man, Twitter is a beautiful and dangerous thing. mm-hmm. I've been there. <laughs> I tweeted at LeBron James
1: when he left. Oh I yeah and that was my <laughs> I think that was my first ever tweet I had ever i I actually I remember this but I created my Twitter just so I could tweet at LeBron James. Wow, he never responded. I'm still waiting.
0: yeah yeah, you're still waiting for that you're still waiting for that <laughs> apology. That's right. That's right. Uh, if he gets me a championship, right. no, no apology. R- exactly. Apologize. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> but uh, yeah, as, right. as you were saying though, uh, th- that wasn't the only anger at Auto Club Speedway today. Uh, uh, Mm-mm. old Danica Patrick got spun out and wrecked by Casey Kane and she had a pretty passive aggressive interview afterwards.
1: <laughs> yeah, she did. She, well, not only that, she was up on the track, giving a uh, little hand gestures and and that sort of thing. But yeah, that I know you got a kick out of it, especially that uh, post race interview that was just full of passive aggressiveness. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Sometimes uh, I don't I don't always agree with her and what she says, but this time I'm actually kind of on her side a little bit. I mean, Casey Kane was a lap down was racing her very aggressively. She was on the lead lap. He was racing her very aggressively, trying to side-draft her. And even though it looks like it's kind of a wreck that's hard to place blame, she might have, you know, come up the racetrack a little, and he might have gone down the racetrack a little. I mean, you can't justify it from his point of view. He's a lap down, and she was ahead of him, and he clipped her right rear quarter panel, and, I mean, turned her straight into the wall at 200 miles per hour, head-on. I mean, that's one of the most dangerous... Rex in NASCAR, head on, straight into the wall. And obviously there's been a whole yeah. lot of safety improvements which have you know, have made it kind of a lesser impact for the drivers, but I think she she had a right to be pretty upset after this one. Yeah. I I'd, I'd agree with you. And she got, she got airborne
1: on that. I think that's the second time she's gotten an accident this season that we've seen that kind of, her car get airborne. And that's kind of scary. Actually, the second time today we had seen a car get airborne with Kyle Larson, uh, right. Hitting the wall. That was, Oh, that one looked even almost scarier than Danica's hitting, hitting the car or the wall at almost 200 miles per hour. And spinning around getting airborne but yeah I agree with what you're saying um he and it's almost it's just like the announcer said too um Jeff Gordon um Darryl Waltrip I believe said that that accident was very avoidable at best you know there there were things that could have been done to avoid that situation and yeah just I, I agree with what you're saying and he was in the wrong
0: yeah, and can we just talk about Casey Kane's performance here for ju- for just a second?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, uh, you know, Casey Kane seems like a great guy. I think he really has his personal life figured out. You know, he has uh, he just had a kid sometime within the past year. Um, but his performance just bew- bewilders me. I mean, he's on a team with Jimmy Johnson, Dale Jr., and Chase Elliott. And those three drivers all seem to be with the program, even Chase Elliott, who's a rookie. I mean, this was Chase Elliott's uh, fifth race in NASCAR, and he's been putting up incredible performances so far. He had a great and run Ka- today. Yeah, and Casey's just not with the program. I mean, when he signed on with Hendrick Motorsports, I expected him, fully expected him to be a perennial championship contender or at the very least winning three or four races a year. I mean, he's a skilled talented driver, but I mean, if you just look at the past two seasons and so far this season, I mean, two years ago, he won one race last year. He didn't win any races. And I mean, this year he's just looks like they've entirely missed it again. So I don't, I don't understand. I don't know what's going on there with that fourth Hendrick team, but, uh, I mean, I don't know, and I don't know when Casey Kane's contract is up, but I mean, if he doesn't turn the performance around, I'd be surprised if, uh, if there's an extension in his future with Hendrick Motorsports.
1: Yeah, I agree completely with what you're saying, um, about Casey Kane. Uh, he's had a rough go of it, but the good thing about that is, is that we have a long season ahead of us, so maybe his camp can get that figured out over there, um, Something else I wanted to talk about was just for as well as I thought Fox did last week in their coverage, and we even talked about it a little bit, um, was how poorly it I, I thought it was this week. And um, a, a couple different reasons for that. But I mean, the main one being for me, that outside of like the top one or two drivers who were in first or second place, we hardly heard anything else mentioned about the entire field, the almost the entire race, even post-race coverage. And I understand, you know, if someone's going to um, win the race, that that's what people want to talk about. But let's talk about a couple different stories and different drivers as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I agree with that. You're always going to have that. Obviously, the the bulk of the tension is going to be on the drivers that are up front and competing for the win. But it did seem like there were drivers that we didn't even really hear anything about this race. And then just aside from that, I mean, I just through these first five races, Daryl Waltrip and Jeff Gordon have kind of been, uh. At odds every once in a while, and it's more so I think on the part of Daryl Waltrip, kind of being argumentative, but man, it just seemed like they were at each at each other's throat this race, didn't it? I mean, Definitely. how many times? How many times were they kind of going back and forth about disagreeing on on how a set of tires for a certain driver was going to work and tire yeah, wear. tire wear. Yeah, it just seemed like. I don't know. I mean, how many? It would just seemed like we had to hear about it so much. I mean, I get it. You can mention it once and move on, but I just think that they're, um Any time they seem to be arguing a little, it just gets a little awkward, you know. Yeah, I agree with what you're saying. When you're being
1: broadcast to a national audience like that, that's probably not the ha- not the time to have you know, a battle of who's right and who's wrong.
0: Right. Well, and here's the thing. I think they're a great commentating crew. They're one of my favorites. Uh, I think they're still just trying to find the perfect chemistry with adding Jeff Gordon into the mix this year.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I think they'll get it. And generally, generally, it's uh,
1: pretty good. But today it was just kind of like you said, it was awkward. And then also I want to hear other stories and kind of like what we talked about with Martin Truex. Seriously, after he fell out of the top five, he wasn't mentioned again. And I was just flabbergasted about it because he, truthfully, I thought he had a car that could win that race today. He just couldn't make his car work on the high line. And that's why Harvick had more success throughout the day and led a lot more laps because Harvick was running around the top of the track and Truex was trying to run that low line and it wasn't giving him as much speed. But his car, his car, I I thought definitely could have contended with
0: Harvick. Oh, he was, he was probably one of the top challengers to Harvick, and that's that's the thing that was so odd to me. I thought the same thing, man. I mean, he was a contender, and then he had, uh, I think he pitted, or when, right when he pitted, that caution came out, and I think he got caught a lap down because of that, and they literally never mentioned him again. It was like this guy who was in the top five all day and could have challenged Harvick, and you just didn't hear anything else about him. Yeah,
1: he also was speeding on pit row. That was part of his
0: implosion,
1: oh. I think, frustration. Yeah, yeah he... He got penalized yep. for that, and then that whole thing happened. But yeah, even like think about Kurt Busch, who ran so well last week, and the dude finished like 36th or something. I didn't hear his name mentioned all day, which is fine because he's not running at the top, and I get that. Like, no, who cares who's in 36th position? But at least mention, oh, he's having a pretty awful day today.
0: Well, they mentioned him right at the very beginning when he and Dale Junior made contact and right. where he hit the wall, and I think his car just you know just wasn't there for the rest of yeah. the day after that.
1: Maybe I'm just looking for things to pick a bone at.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's one of those things easier said than done. I right. mean, they have 39 drivers to cover and all sorts of stories, and you know the focus is kind of always going to be on the top five or ten cars. But, um, but yeah, so we have uh, we have a bye week coming up this week, buddy. Yeah, we do. What are, we still got to figure out what we're going to do for all our fans. I know. I think, uh, I, I don't know, for 100% sold on having an episode next week, we'll have to figure something out to talk about since there's not going to be a race. But We'll do something. We could put out, yeah, we should probably probably do something to tide everyone over, right? Mm-hmm. I think so. We'll throw something <laughs> together.
1: Maybe we could put out a, uh, a poll on Twitter and see what our six people who usually vote on our on our polls, but I, I'm pretty sure our all my nephews and nieces would like us to talk about. Probably one. If we let them vote, it'll probably be One Direction. So maybe not. Oh my gosh! Yeah, let's let's not do that.
0: We don't need to be talking about boy bands up in here. No. No. Uh, though my girl my girlfriend would probably like it if we talked about one direction. Oh gosh. Well I'm serious. Yeah. We're not doing that. I don't know i d <laughs> I don't even
1: know what to say. I one of their names are Harry. I know that. Yeah,
0: yeah, you know,
1: whatever. <laughs> we'll figure it out. But then uh we're coming back to Martinsville the week after that and we're both gonna be there.
0: Dude, we are both gonna be there. It's our first mm-hmm. race of the year it's going to, it's, it's the true kickoff to NASCAR season for me, man. I'm pumped. I can't wait. Heck yeah. It's going to be
1: so awesome. I, I just realized today that it's the next race. And I just told you before the race, Mr. Brian Vickers racing the 14 while we're there.
0: That's right. You're, your guy, man. He's going to be in the lineup. It's exciting. Oh, that
1: is. It is exciting when Brian's even <laughs> in the lineup. That's my lap, NASCAR life right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, w- watching the races on TV and following along on Twitter and on the computer is great, but nothing replaces being at the race, it's being there with the fans, you know, being part of the crowd and that vibe and that emotion and tailgating with everybody and, and just being a part of that whole experience. It's something really unique, and I feel like a lot of times, you know, if you go to an NFL game or a Major League Baseball game, sometimes it's better just to watch those on TV. You get better views, you get better angles, you get the replays, but I actually feel like NASCAR is one of the few sports we're going to a race is far better than watching it on TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly with you. Maybe that's part of what we'll get into next week
1: a little more talk about those race experiences because we could go on and on about that
0: yeah i can't wait i've never been to martinsville before i've been to a lot of the tracks around that area but it, martinsville my
1: first race yeah but back you... back to where it all started when i was
0: like 10 10 yeah man it's been a long time mm-hmm. um yeah i don't know but martinsville was one of my bucket list races so i'm i'm happy to be going i'm taking like i said a few podcasts ago i'm taken my lady to her first race. So, we'll we'll see how it goes, man. I think it's going to be an eye-opening experience for her. <laughs> I'm sure it will
1: definitely be an eye-opening experience for multiple reasons.
0: I've taken a few different people, like friends and all that, to their first races, and there's nothing that can prepare them for <laughs> the experience, the sound and the vibration of the cars as they come by on the first lap. Like I, you, you can warn them, you can tell them everything you need, but nothing can prepare them for that first lap when the cars fly by and their hair blows and the the sound takes their breath away and the rubber comes up into their faces. I mean, it's just it's an it's an insane experience. It really is. Yeah. Oh man,
1: you just put a huge smile on my face. I think, I think that she should be listening to the song Talladega by Eric Church. The entire race just on repeat so she can really 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 get the true American NASCAR experience. It's one of a kind.
0: If her ears aren't bleeding by the end of the race, I think I think she'll have a good time. <laughs> Yeah, I hear you on that. I'm not gonna give her
1: some earplugs, buddy.
0: I'm not gonna lie. I'm excited to introduce her to it. I'm just nervous about how she's gonna react to this whole, this whole. It's gonna be a culture shock for her.
1: Tom, you don't wear earplugs. You do realize that you have to get her earplugs, right?
0: No, yeah, I don't. I don't wear earplugs, which, which I just, yeah, I, I never have. But I, I know, well, I, I won, know you don't. I 100 realize that I'm going to be needing to to get that girl like a whole bag of those little earbuds uh you know what i recommend
1: actually and i we should definitely talk more about this next week but get her the uh the over the ear like in car audio stuff that you can Mm -hmm. or you can listen to like the race being broadcast i know it helped when i took my girlfriend last fall it helped her and i listened to it and i loved it i thought i'm probably going to start doing that at some races not all of them but some races um just to give little different perspective than what we're used to when we just go and act like total rednecks not wearing <laughs> any ear protection at all and don't care about 30 years from now when we're both wearing hearing aids
0: yeah i, th- I think doing that's doing this podcast yeah i think that's a good idea to uh Because I think if she wears that, uh, those headsets that they sell at the tracks and like can listen to the, uh, MRN radio broadcast, that'll kind of maybe help give her a much better understanding of what's going on since this is like, you know, since she's not like a huge super fan, she just kind of casually watches it because I watch it. You know, she like, it's just taking an interest in it because it's something I'm interested in. So we'll see
1: regardless. It'll be a cool experience.
0: Yeah, I just wonder what's going to happen as a result of this. Like, am I going to have to go to a Justin Bieber concert or like what's the situation here? I know yeah. it's coming. It's coming. Ooh. man. Yeah, man. She's going to hold that one
1: for a long time. That's going to be I'm going to be interested to see what comes of that for sure. Oh, I feel I feel
0: like it'll be like three years from now. and She'll be like, "Um, yeah, but remember that time I went to that NASCAR race with you? And I'll be like, yes, <laughs> I remember. What do you need me to do? yeah oh it's gonna be good (laughs) all right buddy well should we uh send it off here
1: let's send them off dude
0: all right Mm -hmm. bye everybody
1: see ya